cliffcentral.com. Good morning to our, all our listeners. Um, thank you for joining us on Wedding Central this morning. And today, myself and Ntombi are joined today by Brenda and Kylie from, um, from the Stuart Gardner Attorneys. Welcome. Yes, thanks ladies. Hello. So excited today because this is a topic that I think a lot of couples don't actually address. I think it's actually a very awkward t- topic. Um, doing an anti-nuptial agreement or what's commonly known as a prenup is a huge contentious issue with cu- with clients. And I've even seen clients who, yeah. during the wedding planning process, um, even call off the wedding because now this prenup has kind of come mm. into play and um, families are now at war because now everyone wants to get involved and, you know, uh, it just it becomes very, very sticky. What do you find is um, the common misconception about um, antinuptial contracts? I think the biggest misconception is that it's to plan for divorce mm. and that it's unromantic and you plan for divorce and um, there's no need and we're all in love and it's insulting to the other party mm. to now have this discussion about what's yours and what's mine. Uh, and that is not at all true yeah. at all. Mm. I think the fundamental thing that people don't understand is that um, – the dress these days gets trashed or mm. put in a cupboard or refashioned. Mm. The photographs go on a wall. The cake gets eaten. The one thing that lasts the entire duration of your marriage, be it ending by death or divorce, right. is your antinatural contract. Yeah, they say right. it's the, four, the two Ds. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But it's not a divorce contract. It's a divorce thing. Yeah. Um, and told me... It's, I'm quite interested to see, to hear that a lot of your families, the, the couple's families get involved. Like my couples, I know there's, it's the two of them and that's it. How does, how do you find that happens? So I think the conversation comes up, especially where, and I think because I deal with a lot of maybe black clients, yeah. I think that cultural dynamic comes into play. Um, the conversation comes up about anti-nuptial agreements or whatever yeah. the case is, and people immediately start considering inheritance okay. or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bigger picture. So I might not have anything. He might not have anything We're in love It's fine my love We'll see how we go mm. You know further down the line And then the parents Get involved Because you know They're like Wow yeah. you know This inheritance and Is what, it a and new what, thing Amongst African clients uh, African brides It's definitely it, Yeah I think African clients As a whole um, Anti-nuptial agreements Are very new I think mm. in the last 10 years It really has only Started to become something That is spoken about Whether they agree To do it Or they don't Or whatever mm. It is only recently And I mean 10 years Is a long time But it's very recent if you look at the bigger scheme of how long this anti-nuptial agreement thing has been Mm. perhaps around. And aside from that, I think um, the financial obligations Mm. of of, um, black people within their family environment is very different from the traditional white family concept, which which deals with what's yours and what's mine. Mm. And we might have inheritance from one grandparent or two when you're in a far more vast Familial environment There are a lot more Obligations to consider Sure And you might not want to Just narrow it down To a, a new married couple Sure So there's a lot of pressure I think It's so different Yeah huh? And what Brenda's referring to Is as a lot of people um, We call it black tax 
That's <laughs> black so. tax. Yeah, we call it black tax. And it, it, it's literally being taxed by your family where, you know, I'm married and I have my own house or whatever, but I'm still obliged to pay for my aunts and my uncles and their kids to go to school. And like, you just have to kind of keep supporting the family and you have to kind of keep it going because somebody else most likely paid for you to go to school. And like, yeah. every, that whole community family brings up a child. It's amazing. I think it's fabulous. Yeah. Though. I really do. I, I mean, mean to an extent, yeah, but to an extent, but I feel like in this day and age where life is very expensive yeah. it kind of becomes ridiculous I mean we're no longer in the age where people can afford to even just have one income in the house so yeah, now everyone to to. goes to work and you know kids are going to private school and now if you imagine shucks now I have to send somebody else's child to, I mean it just it, oh, yeah, it's a, sure. it's an affordability thing so so definitely I'm glad that um, uh, Brenda brought that up um, in terms of the actual anti-nuptial agreement yes as a couple what would you say is the best way to kind of I don't want to say prepare, but what do I need to keep in mind? Now, if, if we're going to have this discussion, what really is the crux or what, what is this antinuptial agreement supposed to do? If it's not for divorce and it's not for preparing for the world, like what, what exactly is this thing for? Well, I think a very long-term view needs to be taken because mm. when you are engaging in a marriage, it is with a long-term view. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully it's a, with a long-term view. Um, but that doesn't mean that you look at the future without looking at the present. Mm. It's about um, isolating what it is that you've got now, mm. and in order and and looking at what your 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 professional life is likely mm. to be. Mm. Where it all started, I think, was was back in the day. Um, you you could get married in community of property. Yeah, so let's explain the yeah. two. I You're think right. I was like, yeah. take it a step, step back. back. Right. Yes. What are the ways in which a couple can get married? All right. Well, there, there are three ways. Mm-hmm. Um, two and a half. Okay. <laughs> the traditional way was you got married in community of property. Mm-hmm. And um, everything is then shared in one pot. And it's not just what you accumulate through the duration of your marriage, it is everything past as well. Mm. So if you got married at 18 or 20 and you both had nothing and you were aiming towards a particular goal, then it's a very equitable way Mm. to get married. Mm. But people start getting married older and older. They've got individual assets. Mm. Now you've got to share all of that through the in-community of property. And debts. And debts. Mm. Everything. Mm. And I think that's a big thing. I mean, a lot of people don't mind sharing what they've got. Because yeah. they love the spouse, yeah. correct? But at that the, moment, at that moment, but it's the debt that can be the the bigger issue. Exactly. So, from an equity perspective, it's it's not bad. Mm. From a risk perspective, it's, it's terrible mm. because you are exposing each other and your future and your children and everything to the possibility of the external world trying to get a, a bite at that pie. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, you know, if, if there is someone who's in independent business, and we were saying earlier mm. that's happening more and more and more, mm. and the business fails and their creditors, mm. then your house is at risk. Yeah. Everybody's income is at risk. Everything that the, the your in-community of spa, a property spouse has built up in 20 years is, is at, at risk. risk. So if you are especially in an independent business mm. or in a high-risk environment, it's important to ring fence and protect that asset base as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So then they brought in the concept of an antinuptial contract. Right. Which means what's yours is yours and what's mine is mine. Mm. And it's in no way negative. I, you no. know, it's, it's yeah. a lot of people look at this as a negative um, thing. It's, yeah. it's not. It's just to protect certain things. Mm. And certain mm. donations can be taken care of mm-hmm. in terms of the antinuptial contract. 
it doesn't in any way limit your ability to live as a happy, productive couple. couple. Yeah. In yeah. no way. Uh, it gets a little tricky and, and there, there might be arguments about money down the line. Right. If one spouse, for example, has stayed home to raise children right. and has not had the opportunity to acquire an estate, mm-hmm. but then there are other pieces of legislation that assist. Right. It does mean you run up and down to court quite a lot. I think that must be a big challenge for you as a lawyer to, it, to deal with the, the maintenance mom issues. And, mm. It is. So, in 1984, right. that's when they revolutionized the antinatural contract mm-hmm. concept and they introduced something called the accrual system, right. which basically says you enter into an antinatural contract, the basis of which, the main reason for which is to protect your, your estates from the world at large and right. from each other's creditors. Okay. But you can set um, a starting value, which might be null mm-hmm. if, you, if you're starting out or you want to share everything. But everything that is accrued during the duration of that marriage is split. Mm. So there's, you have a right, even if you haven't earned the actual physical money, mm. to a portion of that right. by, virtue of your mar- uh, by virtue of your marital system. Mm. So if, if you are you like... If you're a business owner, yes. you value your business before you go into contract, then your business grows, then what is that? You can exclude it entirely. Okay. And you find some business owners are obliged in terms of the, the company documentation yes. that they've got with their other shareholders to or whatever to keep out. it separate. Yeah. There are then, of course, that's another whole show, yeah. is the commercial contracts that protect a family in that scenario. Yes. Right. But from an antinatural contract perspective, a lot of those are excludable mm. assets. And that is a lot of argument. Right, mm. right. Yeah. And, and I think it's important, or maybe the question maybe that I want to ask is, how long can this thing be? Because I think maybe people have, I mean, you know, do I get 388 pages or, you know, know. is it a one pager? And, and, you know, how, at, how particular, perhaps, yeah, maybe that's the question. How particular can an antinatural agreement actually be? Because, um, you know, obviously I think Hollywood has also spoiled us and, you, you know, you hear they say, oh no, this one gets paid out if this one doesn't cheat for a year and blah, blah, blah. like it, it's very extreme. So how particular? It can be very particular. Um, the the difficulty is people don't generally like attorneys. Mm. They're intimidated by the legal system, right, which yeah. is unfortunate because mm. most of our legal system is actually quite user friendly. Yeah. If you've got the the right mm. the right interpretation, but people don't like having to go to an attorney. Mm. Where they would rather go and see a florist. Yeah. yeah. Or a, or a dress designer. Right. But um, it's a very formal it, thing when it comes to planning formal. a yeah. wedding. You know. And so. also, attorney just makes you feel like, oh my god, like. <laughs> Oh my God! Things are getting I'm never going to survive this. <laughs> Correct, but it doesn't have to be 388 pages. Of course, we have had situations where it's mm. turned into a, a week-long negotiated oh contract, mm. and like you say, weddings then sometimes don't happen. happen. But it must cause a lot of stress on that on that planning process. It, yeah. it can, but Gentle. there's also there's also maybe a little bit of a warning sign there. Right, marriage is tough. Yeah, yeah. if you can't deal with what you actually. Can't Contemplating yeah. in the space of three or four pages and an hour or two with your attorney, 
maybe you need to re-examine where it is that you're planning on going Um, as a couple. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. And with that being said, how far in advance um, should a couple start perhaps considering, um, you know, going to see an attorney for their anti-nuptial agreement? Because, um, you know, I have a lot of clients and, you know, even at my first meeting, it's kind of the first question I ask, you know, have you considered how you're going to get married? Do you want me to recommend an attorney? How do you want to go about it? And they say, oh, we, you know, we'll speak about it further down the line. And, you know, six months in, then you have these explosions. So how... How far in advance? I think it depends on the couple as well and mm. how long they've been together mm. and if they've lived together, if they run joint accounts, mm. uh, if it's quite a, a new relationship mm. that they're wanting to formalize. I think our rule of thumb, I mean, and every little diary and book that you read has got a different, mm. you know, do different. this six right. We We don't like to do it sort of shorter than about three months beforehand. Right. I say the earlier the better. Always. Absolutely. Because Always. It, it does, if, there's, if there are any issues, it can be ironed out long, long before, before. Yeah. Exactly. and the families don't get involved and you know yeah. there's not yeah. that emotion yeah and yeah. also i yeah. feel like for me it, it it's more of a commitment you yes. know once yes. you've signed that yeah. contract it's then real. they're really in it yeah. like yeah. we are getting married and tell me you joke and i think i've mentioned this before but we signed ours the day before i mean come on a wedding planner they say a plumber and it always stressful. has a leaking toilet yeah, couples children wow. you know and i must be i cried the day that i signed it it's not because it, i was nervous or anything i think it was obviously emotions as well but it was legit yeah. and i i saw that as the marriage contract it wasn't like the signing of the register on the day mm. it was uh, that day was just such an important moment for me it was yeah so i would say earlier the better and just and, yeah. so your yeah, emotions don't get, get it, the better of you correct it's off. and yeah and get it or get it off your desk mm. because there are so many other things that require attention mm. um but but like we say it's not it's not about getting divorced mm. right there are very many contracts and documents you'll sign through your throughout your life and your married life, oh, scary. <laughs> the, the next thing, of course, you're going to consider is a will, right? Mm. And your antenuptial contract will indicate how your will is going to be, you know, uh, uh, administered. Yeah. Do you do that? Do you do wills as well? Um, we uh, we do. We should do that as a to whole a, different discussion yeah. to a point. Yeah. Um, deceased estates is quite a specialist. Uh, okay. uh, uh, area mm-hmm. we, for existing clients and that sort of thing mm. we do. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly administrative. Yeah. It's incredibly time intensive, and you've got to deal with the master of the high court, which is mm. a challenge. Sure. Um, so uh, yes, we do, but always in conjunction with someone who does it on a daily basis, yeah. where that's their specialty. Correct, because right. if you've got someone there for two or three estates, then they might as well be there for four or five. Right. If you've got yeah. one, someone there for one, mm. it's not a good use yeah. of anybody's time. time. But it indicates how that's going to happen. So, it, you know, the, nobody wants to pay tax, really. Right. Mm. Especially something like a state duty, which mm. is a double taxation. Mm. So if you can reduce your exposure to it, an antinatural contract is the perfect place to start. Okay. Because in terms of the accrual system, you retain that portion as a surviving spouse. You don't inherit it. Mm. So it's an exclusion to cap, uh, to uh, estate duty. Yeah. Sure. So it's an important thing to consider when you do your will. Right. Of course, the, you might have trusts for a house mm-hmm. or whatever. So the antenatural contract, although it's registered and it's very difficult to change once it is registered, it's only one of very many documents that are going to um, control the way in which you handle yourself financially going forward. Right. But it is a cornerstone in indicating how you interpret the other the other pieces yeah, sure. of, of documentation. Sure. I have a 
question. Before you even start the process, do you even, do you check the, the marital status of the person? That's a very good question. Mm-hmm. And certainly the, the, the home affairs is, mm-hmm. is putting more and more pressure on people yeah, to go and get that. a letter from, from them mm. to check their marital yeah. status. Yeah. You can, there's a, uh, uh, there's a number you can SMS. SMS. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. I've got the number. If you, if you want to check your marital status, um, the, you SMS 48748 and then you put DHA space M and your ID number and it'll, it'll send a message back saying, are you married? Or you, yeah. <laughs> you'll find out, are you actually married? Yeah. Without oh, even knowing. Because you have those fraud cases yes. when you married to somebody. Yeah. yeah. So another country. It's a, it's a yeah. really good one just to check your marital status before even going in. And definitely. in fact, if some marriage offices are requiring a letter from home affairs. Right. Okay. Right. Um, to go, to go and, and get it all sorted out, which is, it's a bit of a dichotomy in a country that has so much support for customary marriage and, mm. and, and alternative, uh, you know, acknowledgement of right. union to now go to home affairs and, and get something that says that you're not married. Yeah. yeah. Seems a little bit strange, yeah. but it is because it's, there's so, so much, much fraud. fraud. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. hundred percent. If I'm, what can I expect to perhaps what issues or what things will be considered when you start the anti-nuptial negotiation? Like what, because a lot of people, um, and, and I think this also becomes a, a, a issue of contention between couples is things that you've tried to keep private. Mm. You now have to expose them where you had no intention of telling perhaps that maybe you won the lotto. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Nice. But you know, what issues can you expect to come to the forefront in that particular negotiation space? Well, it's true. You're very raw and exposed mm. uh, in the process, and not just to your spouse that you trust, mm. but possibly to an attorney that you've never met before. Yeah. And mm. it's, it, you are very raw. And I think if we were honest with each other, mm. the the primary reason marriages do break down is, because, is of, because of money. Mm. So the ability to have that discussion and be open about what it is that you prepared to share mm. and what it is that you believe should be um, secured mm. against um, a, a potential uh, sharing situation yeah. is an important conversation to be able to have. But um, it, it can lead to quite a lot of conflict. Mm. Mm. I would say, um, you know, you don't want to have it too early with someone. Mm. But if you're engaged to someone, I mm. think there's a, a fair indication. These days you're generally living together. Yeah. So you're sharing a certain amount of expense. I think open cards about mm. Why you why you want to hold something back yes. is important. Yeah, right. Um, and I think the acceptance of the other party mm. to to understand that, especially if there is familial mm. pressure, is important. Mm. There are certain things that are automatically excluded that okay. people don't necessarily realize. Okay, um, inheritance is automatically excluded from the accrual. Okay, okay. so um, non patrimonial damages. So if I'm in a car accident and I suffer. Uh, pain and suffering and loss of limb. Mm. It's not a claim sounding in money. Right. That is for me because I'm the one who's injured. Right. Uh, and of course, then you have the right to, um, to hold back certain assets, exclude certain assets, or share a portion of assets. Okay. And the options are as varied and as many as the people who want to enter into this contract. Sure. There's absolutely no such thing as a standard ANC. Okay. We all work, of course, to a certain template because yeah. that is set, it's set out and ticks all of the requirements of the legislation that says this is what's required. But the individual 
requirements of each couple have got to be determined. Yeah. It's got to be an accurate rec- reflection of what mm. it is your, that is your intention at the time. Mm. And the recordal of that is very important. And that's where the attorney's role is also it's also fulfilled. Yeah. Couples don't necessarily write down why they think they're worth a million rand at the date of marriage. Right. Um, and it's important to Do keep that record. Have to, okay, yeah. so the attorneys have to make sure that, that you... Yes, and to keep it. And do you have to, don't you have to stipulate what your debt is at this point and... Well, yes, you talk in terms of net assets. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. so if, you know, if you're going to exclude a house that's got a bond, you're excluding yes. the... the Possible benefit and the possible loss. Yeah. If you're only excluding the the net asset portion, of course, then you both share in the risk and the and the profit of any accrual. Right. Um. But it really is such an individual choice, and it really does require someone to sit down and ask those questions of you because they don't they don't often you don't often ask them of yourself or yeah. of a spouse. Yeah. 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 And you don't keep that record, so no, it is it's, important. It's, it's, yeah. just, it's a variant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I found it very interesting to yeah. go through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm always one like I'm a talker. Like <laughs> I feel like I was born talking. So, <laughs> you know, even with my husband, like I have never had any issues talking about pretty much anything. But I I'm aware that that's not the norm. It's mm. not the norm to talk about money and to mm. talk about issues. And, and I know that a lot of couples have issues with that particular dynamic. Um, specifically culturally, because families do perhaps, and I think again, it is because of the typical understanding of uh, anti-nuptial agreement, even though it's incorrect. Why, who do I take with me or who do I need to tell that I'm now going to do my anti-nuptial agreement? Yes, it's supposed to be an agreement between me and my potential husband and whoever else. But when family does get involved, why and to what extent and, you know, how... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you get family involved? It's so yeah. new to me. And I think the issue is also people speak to their parents for advice, right? Yeah. You know, if you're really close with your parents and you go, "Oh, mom, tomorrow we're going to the attorneys or whatever," and she's absolutely but you don't not, discuss your sex life. You don't. <laughs> no, look, it, it is, and 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 again, it depends upon the individual how private you are. How, how you know if you if it is something you discuss with your family, if you've been together for a long time, like mm. lots of people are these days, yeah. And there's and there's a you're already part of the same family, right? Then it's a bit easier, but um, you know, not not everyone. Has been together for ten years when they sure. decide to get married, and they could have family overseas, and and it, it, it's a little discomforting then maybe to have all of these opinions. Yeah, I would suggest that you maybe consult with an attorney and yeah. get all the information, make up your mind about yes. what you want to do, mm. and then maybe bounce it off other yeah. people to get do an you opinion. You have a lot that the parents come. No, okay. no, no, in fact, I've only ever, I've only ever had one situation, mm. and um, it was because the ANC was happening quite late. It was a very observant Jewish family. Okay. Mm. And of course, in the last week, the couple's not supposed to have any contact at all. And the, the whole family got involved and, 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 and there was a chance that things wouldn't progress because the families couldn't agree. Mm. And of course, the couple couldn't talk to each other. So that was, that was quite tricky. Um, so there again, sooner the better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. What's the, the, there's the antinuptial with accrual and then without, it's out and out. Yes. What yeah. are the? Well, if you, if you just enter into an A and C these mm. days and you, you don't specifically exclude accrual, 
then it's automatically included. Okay. okay. If you don't specify what your starting value is, then it's nil, which means you share everything, even mm-hmm. what you've got. Mm. But it, it protects you against creditors. So that's with accrual. With accrual. Okay. How, how would, and then an ANC without accrual is a straight ANC. What's yours is yours. What's mine is mine. What I don't give you, you don't have a right to. So even what you accrue in the marriage, if it's mine, it's mine. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to like this? This is my couch. This is your. Couch. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. <laughs> and and I think that's where the I think that's where the miscon like the the misconception starts is that people feel like you're actually going to live in a house that's divided where it's just like mm-hmm. this is my plate. I didn't so, let you. So I think that the, the, the answer to that is twofold. Mm. The first is that the the antenuptial con- the accrual portion, the antenuptial contract itself, operates until death or divorce. Right. Mm. So what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours until death or divorce, and only then yeah. is the accrual calculation done with regard to sharing. I think yeah. a lot of attorneys go without an out, isn't that correct? Um, a lot of business people do. Yes. A lot of business people yeah. do because. You want to protect your family yes. from from the risk. Uh, really, it was the accrual system was was introduced so that those moms who stay at home and raise children mm. are not prejudiced yeah. and are not at the mercy of the maintenance court, mm. right. and that they actually have a right to certain property that has been a- accumulated okay. um, through the duration of the That's marriage, which is fair. Which is fair. Right. I think I think the manner in which you choose to get married is largely determined upon age. If it's a first marriage and you're starting out and you've got very little, then accrual makes sense. Yeah. It's the most popular choice among first-time uh, 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 spouses, couples. Yeah. couples. But if you are in your 40s or 50s, mm. maybe it's a second marriage, maybe you've got children and mm. financial obligations with regard to university, mm-hmm. and you've each, you each got your own independent estate and then a straight ANC is, makes better sense mm. because your earning really is behind you. Maybe you're looking at a, at a joint retirement, mm-hmm. but your, your situation is so significantly different mm. that maybe the accrual is not going to be the important part yeah. of the marriage. Yeah. It's protecting children that you've already got and you've already got your couches and mm. your, and your, and your. Yeah. And, uh, so I think the age and, and, and status that you, you, are at at the time you're contemplating marriage plays a large role. Does the will um, overpower the ANC? No. Okay. No. Separate documents. And separate documents altogether. Yeah. And separate pieces of legislation, okay. separate okay. processes. Wow. Okay. Separate everything. And now, now I want to get into the actual, perhaps the legalities of yes. what this document needs to be. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think it was a joke in a movie or something where people said, oh man, if you just sign on a napkin and put it in your pocket, it, it counts after the fact. You know? <laughs> if you just say what's mine is mine or whatever and you sign it's on a all, napkin. Over, always in the movie. You know, and, and it was just like, that's so ridiculous. But in terms of actually having a legal thing, you know, people think that, and again, I think it is misunderstanding what this thing is. People always say, oh, you're just signing a piece of paper. Mm. It should make it valid or whatever the case is. What are the actual, like, Technicalities of the legality of this document. Well, the 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 first thing is that the document is registered at the Registrar of Deeds, Mm. so it is actually a formal registered document. And does that have to be done before the wedding? No. Thank Mm. goodness, because there is there's quite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, South Africa, after all, guys. (laughs) Although the deeds office is not too bad, it's 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 not too bad. But it can, you know, imagine how many ANCs they've got to go. Through, through and yeah. register, um, you've got as long as it's notarized before it's 
before you get married, mm-hmm. and it's in the protocol section of the notary public, and it's got a protocol number. That is what's required in order to get married. Okay. okay. Then, so, so, and as long as that happens, then there's three months in which to register the document. Mm-hmm. But you got to do it quick, smart, because if you do it on the thir- on the last day of the third month, it might take three weeks to get through the yes. registrar, uh, and then you're in trouble. And you yeah. give you give the couple a letter a to letter. get to the marriage yes. officer. Correct. Yeah. And often you find that then they want to buy a house together and they need a copy of their ANC mm-hmm. and it's not registered yet. Yeah. So um, there are sometimes those timing issues. So again, the sooner the, the better, better. Yes. Yeah. because then you, the sooner you get it into the registrar, the sooner you get it out. But yeah. if you are panicking and you decide on a Friday afternoon and you're getting married on a Saturday that you need an ANC, mm. as long as it is notarized by an attorney who is also qualified as a notary public, right. who's got a special stamp and seal, right. Then you're good to go. Mm. Okay. Um, so the thing with the notary, and I was just saying actually before we went on air, was that there was a wedding where um, I was involved in, and that morning the couple realized that Chuck's, um, they hadn't actually worked out. So they had started the process, but they hadn't agreed on a lot of elements. And they went to their lawyer's office, and the lawyer's office was like, right, or the attorney was like, right, everything's good to go. We don't have a notary. Mm. And what is... Who is supposed to find this notary? Should it be in terms of now I'm looking for an attorney and I'm looking to do this with my spouse? And now what am I looking for? What questions should I be asking of my attorney to make sure that this is going to be an easier process for, for, for me? Well, attorneys who do antenuptial contracts, if they're not notaries themselves, mm. often have access to quite a few notaries. Mm. You should be able to find someone. Right. Um, mm. But sometimes, you know, if you if you caught short on a Saturday morning, it's it's a little bit difficult. Yeah, um, <laughs> a little really, bit. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> the wedding. Uh, yeah. I would I would say then, um, you know, you're spending a lot of money on a, on a wedding. Mm. Um, you don't want to necessarily not get married because you don't have an antenuptial mm. contract, mm. and this is this is very shaky ground to be on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you have a signed antenuptial contract but it's not notarized, right? Um, there is a procedure that you can use, and it's set out in the legislation. Where but not recommended. Not recommended. <laughs> you know, in the old days, you just signed a postnuptial contract and yes. off you went. Yeah. Yes. That's no longer allowed. So you would automatically be married in community yeah. of property, but you've got a document now that evidences your intention. So if there's mm. a fight about it, yeah. you've got at least something, something. to go mm. on. Then you would have to do an application, and it's a full substantive application to the High Court to change your marital status. So, even that's saying not, it's not oh, ideal. It's just, just sounds like, like, oh my gosh, why my do God. that to yourself? <laughs> well, I, had a, I had a client who came in, consulted about the ANC. We had um, an appointment for them to come on the Friday and sign it all, and they phoned and said, "We can't. We're just popping off to to um, the coast for a weekend. We'll do it on Monday." And they came back and phoned me and said, "Guess what? We eloped. We got married on the weekend. Oh, Can we make Lord. our antenuptial oh, contract no. a postnuptial contract?" Oh. No. And I had to say no. We've got sure. to now do a substantive application to court to amend your marital regime. And that must also cause even more stress on the marriage afterwards. And it's, and it's expensive. Mm. Yeah. But like I say, if you're spending millions on a wedding, mm. you maybe don't want to lose all of that. Yeah. And if you're relatively sure that it's going to proceed and you're prepared to spend the additional money changing your marital yeah. regime, it's an option. Mm. But it's not recommended yeah. at all. Right. What, what should... 
um, an anti-nuptial um, agreement cost? Yeah. What are the costs involved in yeah. that? I actually wanted to ask, based on that, that submission that yeah. you do afterwards, that post-nuptial, mm. how much does that cost to change your regime? Well, it depends upon the estates because mm. you've got to have a good reason. You've got to advertise to all of your mutual creditors and in, sure. independent creditors. Oh, my God. You've got to you notify imagine? SARS. There's there's a lot. Oh, my God. It's got to be in the high court because it's changing your status, which means you oh get an God. advocate involved and you're lucky if you get one of those at a, a you know, at mm. a reasonable rate. What's reasonable with advocates? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> I don't know. Shucks. So, it, it it can be quite a production. Mm. It's always a, you know, and it does add. And it's unnecessary. unnecessary. You know, if you just planned ahead, yeah. you've spent all this money and you plan so much for a wedding. Why leave that? Exactly. Yeah. The sooner the better. And yeah. Everyone, everyone thinks attorneys are so expensive and it's, and it's so, such a grudge purchase. Yeah. Really, grudge purchase is the perfect word. It's a grudge purchase. Yeah. But if it's, if it's relatively simple and straightforward. And you've had the discussions mm. and you know what it is that you want. Mm. We charge, um, a, a basic fee of 2,650 rand. Oh, come on. For the anti-natural for contract. the, for the straight ANC. Okay. It, inc- before the wedding. Before the wedding. Yes. It includes the deeds office registration mm-hmm. fee. It includes the notary's fee. Sure. And it means you don't have to pay 260 rand here and 200 mm. rand there. It's a single invoice. It's single and we, it's like a once and we, we handle then everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if we're going to need to consult for three hours and they're going to be 15 drafts, that is revised. Yeah. Okay. But our basic fee, um, excluding the additional requirements right. is 2,650 rand. And it's nothing in, in the greatest in the greatest. Oh. And it's yeah. also like you're buying peace of mind, which for me is also just priceless. Mm. You know what I mean? For that kind of, you know, it's, you know it's done correctly. There's no issues or whatever that are going to crop up or pop up mm. after the fact. Um, I think it's easy. For me, it was a, it's a no-brainer. If you are somebody who's got your own business, or you have to have one of these because the last thing you want is that your business and your debts and maybe Maybe it goes under that it affects your your spouse and your children, and you know it, you just don't want that to happen. No, you don't. And that uh, that I think you've 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 underlined the primary intention. It and should the basic, be, you know, it's just mm. so simple. That's it. It's just to protect it, your family. Correct, and, and that should be your primary motivation. Yeah, is to protect the loved ones. You buckle your children into the car. You don't you don't drive on bald tires. Yeah. Why would you get? Married in a risky way. Yeah. So, um, it's not to discount the, 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 the validity of other, of other marital sure. regimes, but I think the making an informed decision does take away some of the, the opportunity for conflict later on. Sure. Um, how, if somebody is not perhaps convinced, is there a chance or is there a charge? If somebody wanted to consult, maybe with you, even in general, is there a general consultation fee if somebody wanted to perhaps ask a few questions? Because I find as a planner, and I'm sure Kylie mm. has this as well, I never want to, especially when the law is involved, I never want to advise you because people always take your word as the Bible, especially when you're a planner. They'll say, my planner mm. said, da 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 So Correct. I always say, look, this is kind of the idea around it, but speak to somebody who knows exactly what yeah. they're talking about. But is there, uh, you know? Absolutely. There's always room for discussion mm. beforehand. Mm. You don't don't want to make a rash decision and you want to make an informed decision. Right. So what we do is if you are interested, 
um, we you can email us or drop us a message or whatever, and we give you information with regard to the different marital regimes, what the risks are, mm. and it gives you a starting point for that conversation. Mm. Um, if you do need to consult, then we prefer to do it on a on a, a, a one-on-one basis, and by that I mean um, determined by need. Right. Uh, you know, if there if there are lots of questions and that people have no idea and they're really confused about what it is that it could possibly be, we might need longer. Right. But some people come in and they only need ten or twenty minutes, so it really is a bit of a sliding scale, and sure. we prefer to quote according. To, to need Right Because like Kylie was saying Before we came on air You do have people Who will phone you 13 times a day With different questions Okay And um, it would actually Serve everyone's interests better If they came in And had a comprehensive consultation Especially with their spouse Right Because now you're dealing With one person And you don't know What information Is being fed through To the other spouse And without that That sort of Transparency, it makes mm. it very difficult mm. to give cohesive advice. Yeah. Sure. Um, as somebody who, you know, maybe somebody who's listening and now they're planning their wedding and now for the first time they're really considering it and, you know, you know how women are, we jot things, oh, I'm going to speak to my husband tonight or whatever the case is. What particular questions should be asked in the conversation that you have with your spouse. So like I'm hearing now that yes, you want to have conversations beforehand or whatever and you, yes, you do give information, but for somebody to come to this consultation perhaps prepared, yes. what particular questions should be asked and what particular, maybe even documents should we be bringing along to this consult? Well, anything that was really considered an asset. So do you own fixed property? Okay. Do you own a house? Do you own a house in conjunction with someone? Do you own it with your brother or your father? Or yes. How do you mm. own that property? Is it encumbered? Does it have a mortgage bond or whatever? Mm. Um, how do you own your car? Is it financed? Do you own it outright? Pension funds. I mean, mm. there's a whole, a whole issue <laughs> around pension funds and how they operate. And the law has changed quite recently mm-hmm. in terms of how that happens in, in a divorce scenario, but information with regard to independent portfolios, investments, pieces of art, pieces of oh, jewelry, yeah. um, all of that sort of thing that is considered, you know, your granny's Persian carpet that, that everyone walks over every day, but turns out might be worth a hundred thousand rand. Right. You might want to exclude mm. it because in your will, you will, you want to leave it to a direct family member. Right. Yeah. So you, like I say, you consider your, your current situation, but also looking forward. Is there anything particular that, um, that is, is dealt with in terms of another will? Is there a fide commissum? Am mm. I only entitled to a portion of what I've got? Mm-hmm. And I've got an obligation to, to send it on somewhere else. Yeah. So like that Persian carpet, like if you do not stipulate that in your antinuptial contract and you say you pass away, it would fall into the accrual sure. unless you've, unless you've specifically Stipulating. dealt with it. Excluded, you know, yeah. there, there are sure. ways in your world, obviously, that are, are going to, to ease out. So mm. if, if your surviving spouse doesn't care what you do with the carpet yeah. and you've, you've bequeathed it to someone in terms of your will, as long as they get their random amount yeah. of their accrual, sure. it doesn't have to be half the carpet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they have a right, and under, okay. they've got a right to half the value. Oh, okay. Depending upon the accrual mm. and, 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 you know, we use half Quite yeah. liberally, but it's not actually yeah. half. Um, the earlier you mentioned that you actually it's very difficult to change a prenuptial agreement. What happens if, when I started out, it was like this, and now fifteen years on, I want to now add this carpet. 
what do I need <laughs> oh to like gosh. how do you know what I mean like is there a way are you like do you because you know I, I can imagine people get married quite young mm-hmm. and you don't think of perhaps particular things and you now don't you see know, the value of a person yeah <laughs> yeah and you know now you really and, and I think a lot of people's mindsets change especially when they have kids it's not so much when you're living as a couple mm-hmm. but I think it's when you have kids and now people want to pass on certain things or whatever now they're just like shucks I didn't actually mention it 10 years ago whatever the case is what what are my options? You would have to, I think, amend, make an apl- application to amend your marital regime. Oh. So if it was, if you were married by a cruel, for example, and now or there are all sorts of things that you would want to exclude, um, you would probably have to make application to have the cruel portion removed from your antenatal contract. Oh. I think it, I think that's probably the way you would have to go because it's a registered document. Mm. It, you can't, you, certainly you can't change it unilaterally. Mm. Um, I think that the other way to do it would be to have an independent agreement between the two of you mm. ah. with regard to what would happen and it needs to be lodged then with your will. So someone says, I understand. Okay. This is, okay. And of course, if you've inherited it after you were married, it's automatically excluded. Okay. Okay. That's what I was just event. going to ask. Yeah. If it's yeah. inherited, then yeah. it's But excluded. I'm thinking if you want to give, like perhaps you have a ring from your mom and you were going to have it forever and then you have a daughter all of a sudden and you're like, shucks, but it I want to pass it. it. Was it? Inheritances beforehand can be quite tricky. You often find that inheritances say, you know, you can, all inheritances in, in your will, all inheritances are, are subject to, um, they will not fall into any community of profit and loss, any accrual, all of that sort of thing. But you don't want to be in a position where you have to prove mm. what the scenario it is. Was, yeah. It's better to record it if you can. Okay. Yeah. Um, so all of those are important questions. When people come along and they've got, uh, I've got a car, but they forget that they've got, you know, um, a, a unit trust portfolio. Mm. Yeah. But that's maybe why it is important to get the family involved. Mm. What is my inheritance? Do you discuss that beforehand? You not, know? not necessarily. Okay. I mean, if it's inheritance that you've already got. But and it, maybe you don't know. What, what you're inheriting? Yeah, you know what I wanted to I ask would, was I would hope that you would, but, but I don't know what I'm inheriting. No, but you're already married, so it would happen after mm-hmm. you're married. So it's an an automatic exclusion. exclusion. Yeah. So my question so, is something like that for me is kind of like is fine because that means like if the person dies and they leave me stuff, then yeah. that stuff is automatically mm-hmm. excluded. What about if I am, you know, living my own life and I'm working wherever and I'm included perhaps in a family business? Perhaps I'm not even aware, but maybe they've written it like I'm a shareholder, whatever. The case. I'm not aware, but they are running this business and all of the kids are part of the business, even if we're not like in the operations. What is the what happens then? Because again, if I'm not aware that I'm part of a business mm. and I just carry on and I do, you know. Well, the commercial attorney and me is freaking out completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why do you not know these things? Oh, <laughs> and it could be stuff that you know. And and I've heard this before. I've had a client who their mom started a business when they were born, and the and the mom actually named the business after this child. But this child then grew up to have nothing to do with this business whatsoever. And um, yes, of course, she thought, of course, she she might inherit whatever the case is, but she didn't think she was a part of the business because people just register. Because all you need is an ID number and and a copy, and that's that's the end. So what happens if you aren't aware of something like that? And you know. It's a very good question. Um, I would say then that there would have to be some, once it comes to your attention, there would have to be some 
element of agreement. Okay. Uh, often you find in a business scenario when you do have shareholders, um, it's catered for in what's called a buy and sell agreement. So people who are shareholders of a company don't want their partner's spouse who inherits ah. the shares in terms of a will to be a shareholder in the company because, why, you know, sure. they might not have an interest and right. it just complicates things. So they have insurance policies where the money pays out to the surviving spouse and to the estate and the surviving spouse right, in terms right. of the will. And the shares fall back into the company to the other insured shareholders. shareholders. So um, you're not necessarily then a share, but then that, that money <laughs> becomes an issue because it falls yes, into the estate. Yes. So it's a, it's a very, it's a very thorny question. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that you can, you can necessarily change in your ANC. Yeah. But there can be, I think, an independent contract Agreement. between okay. the parties with mm. regard to how that was going to be dealt with. Okay. Um, and that would be legit if well, you had to do a separate contract. You, you might have to end up defending it in yeah. court. Yeah. But what it would do because, is I mean, if it you're just gives it a like bit the, of clout. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're part of like the Hilton group and yeah. then all of a sudden that, I mean, it's millions. Shucks, yeah. we're going to court. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I am yeah. on my way. That being said, how much time do you want to spend in court proving mm, your position? Yeah. If you've got a document that indicates what the intention of the other party mm. is, you're going to cut your, your time in court down. Mm. Right. And time in court is expensive. You don't That's want to be it. arguing about okay. who said what after the third glass of wine in that restaurant. Right. You want something that says, Concrete. this is what my intention is. I understand it. I agree to it. Um, it's not ideal. Mm. It is the sort of thing that maybe should be discussed up mm -hmm. front. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I would love someone to pop out the woodwork and say, here you go, you're a 30% shareholder. And here's your dividend and off you go. Yeah. I think it's unlikely. Yeah. But there again, if you are concerned, um, you can do a search at the company's office to see if you I are a, a, a director. It makes it difficult to get, see shareholding, mm. but at least you have an idea of whether or not someone has put you on as the director. Yes, unknowingly. So, unknowingly yeah. Yeah, uh, not necessarily with shareholding, but in most smaller companies you find people who are directors are also shareholders. Right. So it's an indication. Mm. So there are other ways that you can investigate your own financial holding before you proceed. Uh, but I would hope that you wouldn't have to do that. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's quite mind-boggling, hey? But uh, you know what I think? And the reason why we've brought you in here is that we don't want to see it as a divorce contract no. or anything like that. It's just a very important document in your life that you have to, to, to consider. Yeah. And even if you choose not to go ahead with it, at yeah. least you've had the opportunity to make the choice. 100%. Which means down the line, you do have, you know, it, it does take a little bit of the conflict out of it. Yes. Right. Um, knowledge is power. Yeah. And what we do find, um, is that is that there are people down who didn't know and would have made different decisions. Choices, yeah. uh, and it doesn't have to be intimidating. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, but it, it should be considered. Yeah. It's the kindest thing you can do for the person that you love. 100%. 100%. Look, I, I, I love conversations like this. And I always say, um, you know, to my clients, especially in this day and age, you have a lot of young clients mm. who actually don't follow a particular faith mm. as well. Mm. So they don't even go through like the premarital uh, counseling mm. and that kind of thing. And I always say, if you're not going to do premarital counseling, then you definitely need a prenup because it's yeah. definitely going to force you to, to deal with issues that perhaps you never would have. I wish our legislation actually required it. 
Yes. Because it's such a value. And if you're not, yes. if you're not religious or faithful and you don't have a rabbi mm. or a priest Some kind of or a guide someone in. who can yeah. guide you, you should, there are family psychologists who specialize and who will take you through the discussions that you need, especially in interfaith marriages. Mm, that's it. Mm. It becomes very thorny. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you celebrate Christmas or not? Yes, I mean that's it can be just as simple as that. Brenda, if if somebody wanted to get hold of you, yes. how do they get hold of you? The best way is probably by email. Okay, and that's nice and easy. Yeah. It's, it's my name, okay. okay, which is not a nice easy name at all. <laughs> <laughs> and if I knew half half about email now, as I know now, as I did when I started, I would never have chosen this email address. Right. But it's Brenda at Stuart hyphen Garden. And that's S-T-E-W-A-R-T, the old-fashioned Stuart. Stuart. Yes, before Mary Queen of Scots came along. That's the best way. We also have a Facebook page, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, Stuart Garden Attorneys. And we've got a Twitter account, S-G-A Attorneys. Lovely. You know what? I I think what's so nice is you're not not as scary as that. (laughs) That's a good thing. I think people have a picture of an attorney being literally in like all the garbage. And I think people actually have a picture of um, an advocate. You know, when they're wearing the gowns and yeah. the white hair, and people think that <laughs> you know what? That's I, who I'm going. Like, I'm going to meet the judge. Like, do you know what? I think that's yeah. what, what, that's why okay. I was so emotional about. I had a fiery redhead lady oh, who word. had helped with my my mother-in-law's um, divorce. <laughs> Oh, and it was just, she was hectic and she was up there and I was like, oh my God. I'm sorry. So actually speaking to you, Brenda, it's just, you make me feel so much more relaxed. Yeah. I, should, I should put Kylie's photo everywhere because, yeah. and you know, the thing is, 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 it doesn't have to be scary. No, mm. not at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it really does. Yeah, I always say to my clients, look, it's not going to kill you. I think people think like this is the end. Like <laughs> yeah. you are going to survive. You're going to eat afterwards. You will be fine. <laughs> and just because you visit the attorney doesn't mean they're going to stick a pen in your hand and yes. make you sign. Yeah, yeah. Right it, just cr- it just creates the, the interactive conversations that mm. need to be had. Yeah. And you're going to have them at some point. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you have yeah. to. You, you have to. And it might be at the very end. Where yeah. you've got the scary red-headed mm. divorce attorneys right, involved, and right. yeah, I think that's that's something you've also got to look at. Like you would choose your planner, you would go meet a few. You need to find who works better. With yeah, you. and you know, you rather for a, a ANC go to a company that specializes in anti contract, yeah. not necessarily divorces. You yeah. know, I mean, we're a general practice. Mm. And I would say primarily we actually founded more in in commercial and litigation work. Okay, which means. Con, con, you know, assign people, people, people. Correct, but attorneys. also, but also, we see the ramifications of not doing paperwork properly up front. Yeah, yes. and and so we see the other side of it. Yeah, so it is important to have someone who doesn't just look, you know, tunnel vision at the ANC. Yeah. You know, but the bigger picture. So yeah. we, do, we do all of that. Do you find that it's a long relationship after? It's like, you know, now you've signed your, your prenuptial agreement and, and that kind of thing. But do you find that now these people are, are with you for the next, I don't know, 30 years or whatever the Oh, we is? hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. That's right, yeah. Look, okay. thank you so much, Brenda and Kylie, for coming in. It's thank been an you, absolute sir. pleasure having you in. I know we've spoken about a lot of other topics that we're going to bring you in for, and we're very, very excited. <laughs> um, for our listeners, I hope that you've found something very informative from this and that you do think think about really doing an antenuptial contract with your spouse. All the best and find us on social media hashtag wedding central.